as well for blood clots. Is that right? Blood clots. Uh, for the device they're putting in new blood clots, catching it. Yeah, so pray for, pray for that. Uh, let's see, reminder. Shane, I'm really echoey right here. Uh, Awana Club starts up on September the 12th. Uh, had a great, uh, what, what did you have? Went Sunday night, Brandon. Kickoff registration. Yeah, about 84 kids over there. And they're wilder than bucks. It was great. It really it was great. Uh, Campbell, Campbell Gale, she had something on her nose, a little spot on her nose. And I was trying to get, she said, no, I hurt my nose. And like, what happened? She and, she and Grayson had a head knocking or something over there. It was great. Fun time, head ball. Uh, let's see. September the 8th, we're going to have on Wednesday evening, September the 8th, we're going to have a six-week study, Growing in Christ. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Not that I'm going to be there, but I'm looking forward for you experiencing it. Uh, Brother Bill Ingram's going to be leading that uh, class on Wednesday evenings for about six weeks, Growing in Christ. going to study a lot of uh, foundational stuff in, in Scripture, just you know who we are and what Christ has done for us and what, what He expects of us, all these things. And uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that on uh, Wednesday, September the 8th. Senior adults going to Lambert's on the 21st of September. Put that on your calendar. Uh, ladies, uh, ladies retreat. That applications are available at the Welcome Center. Uh, that'll be November 12th and 13th. And if you're interested in being part of this yard sale on September 11th, you can sign up for that at the Welcome Center. So, there's some information for you. There's folks that uh, need, we need each other's prayers. There's plenty of people in this room tonight have things on their heart to pray for. And so uh, I think that's what we're to be about. Uh, praying, lifting up one another's burdens and needs to the Lord. Because wherever we find ourselves at, the Lord knows. And beyond that, He cares. Isn't that good news? He don't just know about it, but He cares about it. And I'm thankful that we can, we can pray and trust God in that way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this evening to come. Lord, thank you for your people and their faithfulness. And Lord, I know that uh, there is a whole lot of things going on around us in this world. A whole lot of needs and burdens and brokenness, trials, all these things, God. And Lord, we come to you just admitting that we need you. We need you to work in our lives. Uh, Lord, we need you to show us the way. We need you to give direction. We need you to bring healing and help in our time of need. So God, we're trusting you with that. Lord, we're trusting you with this, uh, this evening together as we come and open your word. God, may it feed our souls. God, may we be uh, encouraged. May it draw us closer to you. God, may it, may it draw us even closer uh, to one another. And Father, not just for here, but Lord, for all around us where your gospel is preached. God, may Christ Jesus be high and lifted up. And God, that's our desire and our prayer. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I ask you to stand up one more time as we continue worshiping, as we sing, We Are So Blessed. We are so blessed by the gifts from Can't find a way 
you turn your Bibles and figure out what side's up on mine here. Uh, Turn your Bibles with me tonight to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter number 14. And we'll look at about five verses together tonight. And we're going to be looking at the the institution of of the Lord's Supper. And it's kind of, you know, we kind of look at this text as, I don't know, it seems kind of a strange text sometimes. I don't know why. Uh, that it should be that way, but maybe uh, looking at it apart from it being the, a time when we're observing the Lord's Supper, it may seem a little uh, out of kelter for us, but I'll tell you what, it's never, it's never the wrong time uh, to think about what Christ has done for you. You know, it, it never is. And so uh, tonight I want us to give just a little bit of thought uh, to these verses together. Fourteen twenty-two. and as they did eat, Jesus took bread blessed it and break it and gave to them and said take eat this is my body and he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank of it and he said unto them this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many verily i say unto you i will drink no more the fruit of the vine until that day i drink it new in the kingdom of god And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, the reading of your word. Oh God, may your spirit take it and Lord, put it into our hearts. God, may we have a mind to take in and to comprehend uh, spiritual things tonight. 
And Lord, may we just enjoy and Lord, may we appreciate what Christ has done for us. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, in these uh, few verses tonight, just three, three simple things. First of all, we see the significance of the bread. The significance of the bread in verse 22. And then in verse 23 through 25, we see the significance of the cup. And then in verse 26, we see the singing of a hymn. Those three things, and that's, uh, that's how most scholars are going to break it down. That's particularly uh, how uh, Herschel Hobbes broke it down. And, uh, and I think that's pretty simple and to the point. So I think that best what we do tonight. Well, we have before us what is one of the most uh, significant events in the New Testament, one of the most significant events in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was uh, not necessarily a long, drawn-out event, this portion of it, uh, but nonetheless, it was very, very significant as the Lord takes what uh, Israelites had been doing for some 1,400 years. They'd been doing this 1,400 years just year by year, recognizing what, what God had told them to do. And now, Jesus takes this Passover meal and that he transforms it into the Lord's Supper. Now, John chapter 13, verse 31 tells us uh, that Judas, after, uh, after the Lord, had, uh, Lord Jesus had, had given the, the, the sop to him, that uh, John says that Judas departed, that Judas, uh, therefore, when he was gone out, and that he left the, the gathering there in that, in that uh, upper room there, and that he went out, that he gathered his people up, that he started to execute his plan of handing over the Lord Jesus. And so that's really the context of what we have here. And so this is going to be uh, the last Passover that, that, that Jesus would share with his disciples. Uh, and it was the first Lord's Supper uh, that he would share uh, with his disciples. And so it's a very special and a very unique text of Scripture. So in verse 22, let's think about the significance of, uh, of the bread, and as they did eat, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave to them, and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." I, I wish that I, I wish that we, better understood and knew better everything that took place in a Passover meal. Uh, every now and then, I get some information, and and you, sometime or another, we very well may have. Uh, a, a Jew and some Jews come up here and show us what that's about. It's going to cost us some money, but it'd be worth it, I think. Uh, they, they, they do it and they observe it, and, and we could see what's going on here. And so as I was reading this today, I said, man, I wish I had already done that. So I may get on the horn this week and get that rolling. I don't know. But anyhow, I think there's so much that we miss out on that we, we, we don't comprehend because this is foreign to us. And so one day, maybe we'll have that in front of us, we can see. But here they are, they're, they're gathered together. And at some point, 
uh, during the, the Passover meal. Uh, some people say it was midpoint. Uh, some people say it's at the end. I don't think it really matters. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're having this Passover meal. And with that, Jesus, he takes the opportunity to take the unleavened bread uh, just as uh, his uh, you know, all, the four, all his and the forefathers had done for all of these years. He took that unleavened bread and then he gave it to the 11 who remained with him. Remember, it's not 12 anymore, just the 11. Those who remained with him. Turn over with me to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Will you do that? Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Look at verse number 1. Deuteronomy 16, verse number 1. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock of the herd in the place which the Lord had chose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, when thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And so, you know, uh, Hobbes in his commentary that he made, made note of the fact how significant just even in, the, uh, in Jesus as he instituted this, it be only being the 11 there, that because this is only for what? Believers. It's only for believers. Man, how, what an atrocity that it would be for an unbeliever to come and make some sort of nod toward the Lord Jesus that, that he did something for them and never come to know him as Lord and Savior. And so even at the beginning of this, that it was only for believers. And so to each one, Jesus gave a piece of the unleavened bread. It's unleavened, unleavened is, as Deuteronomy points out, because they left in haste. It was something they, they didn't have time to, you know, wait for any bread to rise, anything like that. You need to get out of Dodge. It was, they had to pack up and get out. And so it was unleavened bread. And so we do it in recognition of what happened that night when God delivered them. Something else I think is all, that's worth noting and thinking about. When we think of leaven, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that leaven, that it represents sin, it represents corruption. We see that both Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, no yeast was allowed to be burned on the altar for any sacrifice. Uh, you know, in, in Leviticus, very clear on that. In the Gospels, Jesus compared the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees to leaven and how dangerous it is and how that it works through and that it spreads like COVID. Like COVID spreads. And Jesus, he made it very plain. And Jesus, here's a Probably two or three times when Jesus talked about the leaven and how, uh, and how that it infiltrates uh, our, our lives if we're not careful. 
Okay? And so Jesus said, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it. Uh, Jesus, you often find if there's going to be any sort of food consumption, Jesus is blessing it. That's what he did. And I think that that's all, you know, there's going to be prayer and blessing involved in this Passover, but you always find Jesus blessing his food and doing that. And that's just a little side note, really don't, you know, I just encourage you in your life. If Jesus thought it was important, probably ought to be important in our life. All right? So don't, don't ever, don't ever, you know, just fly over stuff like that without giving it a little bit of attention, all right? So he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, gave it to them, said, take heat, this is my body. So I want to think about the phrase, this is my body, because there are those uh, denominations who would adhere to, the, the, the big word is transubstantiation, which they believe that the, the, the bread and the blood actually become the literal physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, There are those who would believe that, who teach that, that's a very important part of their doctrine, and they take a text such as this, when Jesus said, this is my body, they take that in a very uh, literal sense of the word. So uh, I, I would suggest to you that when Jesus said that I am the door, when Jesus said I am the vine, that did not mean he was the door. It did not mean he was a grapevine. That this word, that he is being very uh, picturesque, that he is being uh, symbolic in what he has to say, that he is being figurative in what he had to say, that Jesus was preparing them and showing them, telling them that he was getting ready to give his life. He was getting ready to offer himself for their sins. You know, uh, it's in the book of Matthew, and uh, I probably can't pull it out right now, but it wasn't... Um, yep, Matthew 26, Matthew 26. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to the disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of Passover and the Son of Man is going to be betrayed to be crucified. We'll remind you over and over again that the scripture is clear that the cross was no mistake. It didn't slip up on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his plan. He willingly, lovingly gave himself for us. It's the plan of God. That he knew. He knew that he was going to give himself. And so he was preparing them and he told them that he was going to give himself. And he was doing that uh, in, with trying to, trying to relate to them in that moment. In that moment. And, and I, believe, I believe it started getting really real with them in that moment. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that he was not at that point in time, that he wasn't indwelling believers as he does today. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit of God was still active 
even in the life and ministry of Jesus, that as Jesus taught these words, the Holy Spirit of God was taking that and putting it inside of them, teaching those thick-skulled disciples what, what Christ was doing and the love of God and what it would take to purchase their salvation. And so for that was the significance, the significance of the bread. Now let's look in verse 23 through 25, the significance of the cup. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood, the New Testament, or New Covenant, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So here the Bible says that he took the cup. He took the cup. Um, MacArthur says that this was, there was four cups that were used. Uh, during this Passover meal, and he believes this was the uh, third of those four cups, so it was toward the end uh, of the meal, toward the main uh, course of it all. And so he took that cup. Now, uh, Hobbes points out that there is the article V that is placed in front of cup that, that really signifies and points out that this may not have been just the normal ordinary cup it may have been a special cup of some sort I don't I don't know about all that but I'm just trying to help you have food for thought in your mind okay and so he gave it to them and they all drank of it I, I think the word all is very significant in this text of scripture because it speaks of the community of the moment that, that, and, I, and I told you several weeks ago that the Passover was usually, and under normal circumstances, that it was going to be observed by a family, a household. And so now Jesus transforms that from a, from a, from a, a blood relationship, so to speak, and he transforms it to the family of God. The family of God now. And so it's a community a community of believers and one cup and everybody drank from it. Does that kind of give you the chilly willies just thinking about that? COVID. COVID. I know in any time go to a, a Catholic mass of some sort and you have some, you know, they all drink of that. Then you have some that opt out and say, no, I'll take mine by myself. That's probably where I would have to go, I think. But it's very symbolic. Full of symbolism as they all, A-L-L. That we're to be together, we're to be one. And even uh, throughout Scripture, when you start uh, looking at all the different references to the Lord's Supper, that it is very much that we are all part of His body. And as he was taking those pieces of bread, reminding us that we are all of one, all of him, all together, that we're to be together in heart, we're to be together in soul, be together in mind as brothers and sisters in Christ. In 1 Corinthians, turn over there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Look at 16 and 17, and our focus will be 17, obviously. It says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion 
of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now, I want you to notice these little very descriptive words in verse number 17. For we being many are one bread. I want you to think of and maybe underline one. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. You see the the, the single-heartedness of it all and how that is to be uh, reflective of who we are, but it's to remind us of what we should be, even if we aren't. It reminds us of what we should be. He gives us the ideal. He gives us the goal of what we are to work toward in our fellowship and in the family of God. And so then he goes on to say that this is my blood of the New Testament, of the New Covenant, which is shed for many. So again, this isn't literally, physically, this isn't literally physically becoming his blood, but it is symbolically and that it is a picture uh, of his blood. Now, uh, you know, we we don't necessarily get all this as I talked about us not understanding the Passover and then when we start talking about a new testament or a new covenant we miss this as well in that a covenant that it was it was always ratified by blood without exception in the old testament if you want to look at the uh, the Noahic covenant or the Mosaic covenant, whatever you want to look at, that these Old Testament covenants, that they are ratified by the shedding of blood. The Noahic covenant, Genesis 8, verse 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings up to the Lord. That that just, it's what it took. It's what God required and what God demanded uh, before covenants. Uh, But unlike this new covenant, uh, those old covenants, that they they would be ratified by blood of of an animal of some sort. And you know as well as I do that those, the blood of those animals, they didn't really get the job done. There's only one, the blood of the spotless lamb of God. That's the only one that get the job done. And so this new covenant, this new testament, it wasn't going to be an animal that got it done. It was Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that he made this covenant what it was. And so it's a special one of a kind forever covenant by the lamb of god and so that that special stuff and that if we're don't if we don't kind of study up on that we'll miss the truth of the necessity of blood being shed for this covenant all right uh so this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Uh, until the day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. That's, uh, you know, that's a pretty, pretty stout statement there. It's a statement of certainty, isn't it? He, he was quite certain. Of, of, of what was going to happen one day. He, you know, he didn't have any ands, ifs, or buts about it. It was a statement of certainty. And for us, it's a statement of hope. A statement of hope. Amen. 
That, this, that Jesus Christ, he was going to shed his blood. Jesus Christ, he was going to give his body. But let me tell you, it wasn't going to be the end of Jesus. That he knew that there would be a forever. He knew there would be a time when he would be with them again. This isn't the last time that he was going to be with those disciples. There would be another time that would last forever. And he would be with them. Man, what hope. It's going to be another meal together one day. And so, you and I, today, 2,000 years removed from, from this, uh, this occurrence, that we, that we are to look back. We are to remember. Remember what Christ has done for us. Remember that Christ died for us. But not just look back. We're to look forward to the day when we get to see him face to face. Man, what a blessed time as we anticipate this glorious meal that we share together again in his presence. Now, something that, that I just want to hit just quickly is that it stands out to me that in the Gospels, as we see uh, the, the different writers writing about and uh, giving us the words of Jesus, that they use the phrase fruit of the vine. Fruit of the vine. Uh, and I know that even some of us in here, that we love each other and care about one another, but we have different uh, estimations of what that looks like, of what the uh, what Passover meal looked like, or even what we experience today and what we use in our Lord's Supper. And I believe that most people, that they, they recognize the fact that if you go and you ask the rabbis and whatnot, they'll say that they uh, use a wine that's mixed with water during all that. I don't think there's any, there's any doubt about that. That's what they use. That's just a, matter, just a matter of fact, okay? And I think that a lot of people, and I would not disagree, that that may be just the common way in which they referred uh, to, you know, to the wine that was in there. But I want to say that he always calls it the cup and the fruit of the vine. Never refers to it as wine. Not one time. You look in all the Gospels you want to, you're not going to find it. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that I think if that was the hinge point of all this, he'd made it a little bit more clear than that. I think, like I said, we, we can squabble or we can you know disagree on that and i'm not i'm not going to disagree with anybody on it you can have your own convictions on that but to me as i read this and thought about this today not one time do they say anything about wine and i don't think if jesus didn't make it an issue i don't think that we should either and so i just something for you to think about you can you know you can mull over that and do what you want to do uh herschel hobbs he went he went and reminded us that we that the bread that it was unleavened that it didn't have anything added to it so his argument was that grape juice probably didn't have anything added to it because the bread was pure with unadded element of yeast to it and so why would Jesus not why would he not use something that was pure like the grape juice which had to have something added to it if it was going to be wine so I think that's some good things to think about right there. Not that it makes a hill of beans difference to most of us, but it's just something to think about. And so he, he calls it the fruit of the vine. So I would just suggest that you don't get too hung up 
on those things when the Bible doesn't make it explicitly clear and there are plenty of good arguments either way. And it, okay, that's, that's my point, okay? Now, lastly, in verse 26, the singing of a hymn. Singing of a hymn. Now, I, I don't have a lot to say on this, but, but I think it's really, really cool. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. At, this wasn't something that was unique to this moment. At the end of the Passover meal, it's what they did. That they sung a hymn. It's called the Hallel. That it came from that, past, that group of psalms from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. That's called the Hallel Psalms. And it was very, uh, very much a part of their worship. And they would, choose, they would choose parts out of those psalms to sing and reflect and to consider the greatness and the goodness of God. Singing has always been a vital part of Christianity. Always. And it will always will be a vital part of Christianity. So if we say, well, I don't enjoy singing, well, we need to cultivate that in our hearts. Even if we don't like it, there are things that we know that would be good for us if we would go ahead and do it anyway. We do it in every other area of our life, don't we? Or we should. You should eat your Brussels sprouts. You don't like them, but you need to eat them. It's good for you. You know it's good for you. Eat them. Even if we may not just naturally... Be inclined to that, that we should be a singing believer, a singing Christian, because it's good for us. Dad's down here amening tonight. A couple weeks ago, I was in Cafe Latte. An old buddy that I went to high school with, he came up to me and said, hey, your dad, your dad came. And he preached at church the other day. He did a great job. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, he's, he's super. I said, I'm proud of him. And he said, not only that guy can preach and sing. <laughs> Have y'all heard my daddy sing? He told me that. He said he can do it all if he has to. <laughs> oh, me. That was great. Turn over to Psalm 113. Some people, they kind of try to point out some different verses. And I, I would encourage you over the next day or two to read these psalms. I, I read through them this morning. Um, look at Psalm 113.1. Praise you the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down the same, the Lord's name is to be 
praise. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is likened to the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in the earth and on the earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that He may set him with princes, even the princes of His people. He maketh the barren women to keep house and to be joyful mother of children praise ye the Lord do you feel that do you feel it just that attitude of praise and worship that they would sing as they thought about the great deliverance of God and here this moment in time that these disciples were in a time like no other time, in a situation like no other situation. And, and I believe they started to grasp what was going on and they could sing these praises unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good and His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Can, can you just go there? Can you go there as they sing together? That Jesus Christ, that God sent his heaven's best. And he was going to give his life for them. Did they know everything and all the details of what would happen? No. But I believe that night they got a little taste of what Christ was about to do. And I believe they sung these songs like they had never sung them before. You know what, I believe that if you and I, that if we really get our hearts and minds on what Christ has done for us, that it will produce some singing out of us like we've never sung before because of God's grace and His mercy that He's shown toward lost humanity through His Son, Jesus. Well, I hope tonight that you give some new thought, some fresh thought, to that night when Christ instituted the Lord's Supper. What a special night. Tonight I want us to close the time of prayer. Brother David, who's going to pray tonight? Brother Jerry? All right. Brother Ed Johnson's going to open up a prayer tonight. And Brother Jerry Rollins is going to close us tonight. And uh, as Ed opens, I want us to all just pray from our heart. I want to remind you. As we come together in corporate prayer, Ed's not praying for us. Brother Jerry's not going to pray for us. We're to pray for ourselves. It's our opportunity to pray while they pray. We may agree together with what Ed says or what Brother Jerry says. We're, we're going to agree together in our hearts, but don't just sit back on cruise. Pray. Tonight we come to pray that God would touch America, that God would send revival in our land, that God would break some cold hearts, cold hard hearts, and we'd see an outpouring of the Spirit of God like we never have. That we'd see people come to Christ as Lord and know Him as Lord and Savior. As some people who've just gone through the motion long enough that they'd get sick of that, and they'd really yearn to have a relationship with God in a re real way on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. We're living in tough, tough days for a lot of people, a lot of hurting people, people living in fear about us, that God would give us the grace that we need 
for times such as this. And if you think about it, will you pray for me? I need, I need God's wisdom. I need His touch in my life. And I think you can all identify with that, can't you? But I just confess to you, I need that. I love you. I thank God for you. These men are going to lead us tonight. We pray when Brother Jerry says amen, we're done. Let's pray together. Dad, 